What up, what up, what up, what up, though? And welcome back to the Black Fridays podcast. Definitely excited to have you all back and very excited for this episode and this guest. Today, I had none other than Chanel Haygood, a.k.a. Shade Lavender, pull up to the podcast. Chanel is an up-and-coming author who is releasing her very first book titled Canceled. Canceled is a story of a young black woman trying to establish herself in a world where her intersections create conflict in the different spaces that she occupies. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that definitely sounds deep. But talking to Chanel got a chance to gain more perspective on her writing style, her experiences and things that she's been through in life that really enable her to dig deep and be able to find the resources to create and develop this book. And as you listen to this episode, you'll get a chance to see how Chanel's amazing personality will shine through in her writing style. So very excited for her. Very looking forward to the book coming out soon. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Run my intro. Oh, it's good. You are now in oh, the good. by Despite Jones. Hey, I have another dynamic, wonderful guest in the building. We got another author on the show, so definitely excited about that. But I want to introduce you to Miss Chanel Haygood. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, of course. And the reason that we had you pull up to the podcast is because you have a world-renowned book that is getting ready to drop, and we definitely got to hear about that. So if you could just give us a a brief insight, because we'll get more into this into the podcast, but brief insight into what the book is about and a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, thanks, Zell. Um, So I'm going to listen, I'm going to claim that. I'm going to take it. The um, world-renowned author, that's what we're shooting for. So, yeah, this is uh, my first book. So I've been writing since I was younger and in undergrad, I got my bachelor's in English. And the goal with that, people always ask, you know, you want to be a teacher. A lot of people do English and then they they go on and go to law school. But I always wanted to be a writer. That was my first dream when I was younger. I would write stories in my composition book um, and when I graduated, I just needed to make some money because my family was looking at me like, you can't be telling me you're about to be a writer and you'll make no money. Um, so I just started looking for stuff that um, was interesting to me in education. And I landed in like higher education spaces. So that's been my work for really the past 10 years since being out of undergrad. Um, I've just been working in higher education institutions, um, local government. And I just never let go of writing. Um, And during the pandemic, I had all this downtime. We couldn't go outside. So I started to write my first book. Um, The name of the book is Cancel. It's called Cancel. Um, And it follows a Black woman. Her name is Shamaya Jackson. And she graduates from college, gets her first job in the admissions office of her alma mater. Very similar to what I went through um, from undergrad and to the working world. And while she's there, she's the only black person on staff and the office gets sued by white people who claim to be discriminated against by, you know, 
the office letting in black people over white people with less credentials, um, which is something that actually happened at the University of Michigan, um, but didn't happen when I was there. Um, but this book is is influenced by my time working in admissions, um, but it's fictional. So any type of, you know, parallels that people see is just completely coincidental. Y'all don't be adding me, don't be pulling up at my house. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to see it. Um, but um, throughout the, throughout the book, it, you know, she gains fame. Um, she gets into an altercation with a white woman at a football game and it, it goes viral. And then, um, you know, during a lawsuit, it's like these black people looking at her like, what are you going to do for us? And white people at the office are trying to use them for their own agenda. So it kind of takes her into all this pressure that she has coming from, you know, her professional life, her personal life. Um, and it it just breaks her down as a completely intersectional person. But, you know, it's creating a lot of conflicts in the different spaces that she occupies. So. It's, it's funny. It's lighthearted. It's not it's not a trauma type book. You know, reading a lot of books, I'm like, I'm tired of trauma, but it's something that I think people relate to. Something that's super modern, includes the social media, you know, age and um, cancel culture. So I'm hoping people are interested in it and, and find some relation to it. I wrote it for black people. So. <laughs> And that, that's dope. As I was telling you before we got on here, I had a chance to read the summary and it definitely sounded like a great story. I like how you was able to include some of yourself in there as well. And then I'm glad that you said it's not like a trauma book or anything that's traumatizing. Me personally, I'm tired of all of that. So I'll be trying to find stuff that don't is not related or in that lane. But if you wrote it anyway, that's similar to your personality. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be it's going to have some wittiness to it. It's going to be funny. And I'm looking forward to to reading it and having other people read it as well. But before we continue, I got to put a pause. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know it's time for my favorite section of Black Fridays, which is Freestyle Fridays. And Freestyle Fridays is a random assortment of questions. They all about you. So you shouldn't get them wrong. And I just ask that you answer them honestly and you answer everyone. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right, cool. So since we're talking about being canceled, tell me somebody who should be canceled. Oh, man. Let's make it famous. So you ain't got to. Yeah, we ain't got to. Oh, out wire. Don't make, make it famous. Look, yeah, look, don't make it personal. <laughs> my family, that, they can't be them. OK, um, <laughs> man, somebody who should be canceled. Probably the baby. I don't know. I mean, he's been pretty error free. I think it's a, a, a running a Twitter account that follows you know, how long it's been since since he had some antics. Um, but I'll probably say the baby. That was my okay. that was the first answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stick with the first answer that comes to my mind. Nope, that's dope. That's dope. I agree. Um, so yeah, definitely agree with you there. <laughs> uh do you like pizza? Oh man, yeah. Perfect. So perfect question for you. Who has the best pizza? And let's keep it, let's keep it chain pizza. So think of your dominoes, Papa John's. Those type of people got the best piece. Can I do a Michigan chain or it have to be a national chain? However you want to do it. So I'm gonna have to go with Jets. Jets Pizza in Michigan. Best barbecue chicken pizza I've ever had in my life. I don't get the onions. No onions, but everything else is spectacular. I personally love Jets too. Uh, people tried to come down on me for that, but hey, Jets is Jets is where it's at. If you're in Michigan, I don't know where else they are, but Get yeah. you some just pizza at least yeah. once. Yes. 
All right. If you had to be stuck in a department store overnight, 24 hours, would you rather be stuck in Target or Macy's? Dang. It's got to be Target. I feel like it when I was in my early 20s, it would have been Macy's. But now that I'm a, I'm a grown person with like household needs, it's going to have to be Target. It's going to have to be what it is. Absolutely. Plus, I feel like Macy's is now for like middle-aged white women at this point. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Target is too, but you know, we, we get in there. Right. More versatility with Target. Yeah, a little bit more versatility. For sure. For sure. Uh, if you had one minute 60 seconds to talk to the president right now, what would you tell him? Cancel them loans immediately. <laughs> Cancel those student loans. Um, it's all these black people with loans, man. You want to liberate some educated black people. You want to liberate black people. You want to thank black people for getting him in the office. Yo, you need to cancel them loans. All we ask for. I would just say that over and over again for for 90, however, however long you said I got, I would just say that over and over again until he got it into his head to go cancel the blow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all we asking for. And that's I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know why it's so hard. So hard. I don't know either, but he tripping. He needs to be better. <laughs> Who is your favorite author? Um, I mean, I, feel, I, I so I'm going to say this and like, I feel like every black woman ever says this, but it's Toni Morrison. She's like the, She's like, Jesus, God, like she's up there. Um, and then I think of a, so she's like, I'm never going to be Toni Morrison. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you, you just, certain people you just never touch. But if I had a reach author that like somebody who I've modeled my style off of is probably um, ZZ Packer, who's, she's not as known. She, she really only has one book. Um, but I've, I've read that book five times. And um, so she's somebody that I'm like, I can probably write. I can probably write like her. You know what I mean? I could probably have that. But Toni Morris, I would never write like her. She was a certified genius. So those are my two, I'll say. Nice, nice. Great selection. So congratulations to you. You successfully passed Freestyle Fridays. Hey, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I, I got to get the uh, the sound effects. I, that's my next thing. Right? So I can just hit the button. And it's burr, 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 burr. That's my that's my next project. But yes, shout out to you. You definitely uh, passed Freestyle Friday and cool. want to go back into more so the kind of your background and what got you to this point in um, producing your first book. So I know that we go way back. So everybody listening, you yeah. know, went to high school together, went to college together as well. And um, best high school in the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan, also the best college in the state of Michigan as well. Yeah. I digress, you know, just gotta, just gotta sprinkle that in there. Um, so these things breed greatness, but I know that immediately after we had left university of Michigan, you had stayed in academics and uh, you were recruiting or you are part of the admissions office once we had. Yeah. left. Yeah. So I was, so an undergrad, I was a resident advisor and I, that's basically, you know, you are in the hall, the residence halls and you're helping out the freshmen and everything transition to college. And then I just saw people who had like, staff positions in colleges. And I was like, oh, that could be kind of cool, like to stay around college and, and help people. Um, but I didn't really think much of it. And then the undergraduate admissions office at Michigan had an internship 
Um, it was only supposed to be like 10 months. They paid like $14 an hour and I applied to it and I got it. And then I stayed in Ann Arbor and worked there. Um, and about two months in, all these people started leaving the office and they were, you know, they promoted me from an intern to a, a certified like professional staff member. Um, and, you know, before I knew it, I was on the road. I was recruiting. I was like in these rural areas of Michigan I'd never been to in my life. Um, and I remember just I have some of the craziest stories that you'll see in the book, too. Um but I just remember so many white people get in my face asking me about one one woman specifically. She got in my face. She was like, so after, you know, you're done admitting everybody, do you even have room for white males like my son anymore? She said that to my face as a question at a college fair. And then I said, oh, this is, you know, after Prop 2 had passed and everything, I was like, oh, we, you know, we can't consider race and all that and, and admissions. And she sat there and laughed in my face and then walked away. It was like the craziest things happened to me on the road. Um, and so throughout that time, I still loved it. I, I think I just really liked the whole thing about understanding higher education and then being able to take that back to people who didn't understand it and give them access to a college like Michigan. Um, but yeah, I did that for, I did that for four years um, reading applications, recruiting, um, and so much of my professional identity of like understanding people, being able to be comfortable in different situations, traveling, being able to be really multifaceted in some of the things that I could do with project management, um, and, and managing a bunch of things at different time. It really centered all there, like as a start of my career. Um, and then I ended up leaving because one, it was like, it didn't pay much at all. And they were over, I was easily working like 60 hours a week. Um, and I didn't get paid overtime because I was like an exempt person. So I was exhausted and I wanted upper mobility. I wanted to make a bigger impact. So I went back to school and this time I got a master's degree in higher education. That's when I moved to Philadelphia. Dope, dope. And so is it safe to say that that, block of time when you were working in the College of Admissions at Michigan, that is where the focus of cancel is kind of like taking mm -hmm. it, drawing from those experiences. Yes, it's heavily influenced by that. Um, and it it mostly was like, like I said, the, the lawsuit stuff didn't happen when I was there, but I wanted to take a character like, what if like this were to happen to a black person in this, like, let's take Let's take you through this with my knowledge of admissions. And then I think the other part of it that I wanted to do was just expose some of the contradictories that exist in admissions and how they review applicants, how they who they decide to prioritize in their recruiting. I wanted to expose that a little bit um, and not just at Michigan. I've also worked in the graduate admissions office at the University of Pennsylvania for um, for a year when I was in graduate school. So it's heavily influenced by my time in Michigan, but it's mostly influenced by all these things that I kept seeing that disadvantaged, um, you know, black people and poor people when it came to college um, and me wanting to put some shine a light on that and put the accountability back on these higher education institutions that could do better. So there's like this, this undertone, this like social consciousness of 
higher education happening in the book too, in addition to it being like this fictional fun thing that people are following. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that and very timely that we're having this discussion now because I was having a conversation with uh, a bunch of Michigan alumni, like all from different programs, undergrad, grad, PhD, and that type of stuff. And we're just talking about a lot of the kind of like scandals that happened recently, like over the pandemic or the last few years that came out of uh, academia. And it kind of reminded me of like why I, even though I'm a big proponent for education, uh, that it like kind of souring on like the whole aspect of academia and college and, and things like that, uh, especially like during the pandemic, because I think we started to realize that a lot of these institutions are really providing as much value as they could from a diversity standpoint, a resource standpoint, and yeah. uh, a lot of other things. So just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that in relation to your experience, what the book is about and, you know, how, a lot of these major institutions are not necessarily serving their student populations the best, especially specific parts of that student population being minorities. Yeah. And I think I think you you hit it right on the head. Like. I think um, the what the pandemic did was expose a lot of these disparities that you just couldn't ignore anymore. So it was like, oh, you know, y'all can't you can't come to campus for class. And then it's like, oh, there, there's a, a pretty good population of y'all that that does not have an internet at home to sustain you, you know, taking classes from home and or just a home setup that's comfortable enough for you to be able to work and have class, you know, in a space where you can focus on having class virtually. I think it exposed so many things. And the other thing that 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 triggered me was this the way that these institutions just suddenly either brought out all this money or just started to to fail because they didn't have enough money from, you know, all of this tuition that they're charging and stuff. Um, but I, I definitely noticed that throughout the pandemic. Uh, I I started writing the book during the pandemic, but I did not cover things related. I, I took a whole insecure route when it came, just the pandemic didn't exist when it came to my book. So I didn't cover it yet. But um but I definitely, you know, followed a lot of that and was impacted by that and wanted. I was grateful that there were so many institutions coming up with different scholarships, different funding to help students during that time. You know, poor students, um, black students, brown students. I was excited to see that. But I'm like, why did we have to get all the way to the bottom for us to get here? You know, Um where was this extra money when, you know, other people needed scholarships to not go tens of thousand dollars in loans? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's right on. For sure. And I wanted to know what made you say that now was the time you said that you had grew up and you admired writing and different people's writing styles, different mm -hmm. authors. But what made you say, you know what, it's time for me to go ahead and get my story out there, share something that I developed and put it out there to the world? Yeah, um, that's a good, I knew this question was gonna come. So I was like, I was trying to think through what I, what all I would say and share, but um, you know, 2019, so I think it more so started personally for me in 2019. 2019 was a really difficult year for me. Um, I lost my mom in the middle of the year um, in July of 2019. And um, that just kind of shook my whole world up. So. I came back from Detroit and I was working at the time at a research nonprofit. Um, 
And I just dove right back into work. I put everything into work, like everything. Um, there was a point, like, I think the month of September, I was like every other week I was I was just not saying no. I was like, oh, yeah, I would take that. I would take that. I was on the road a lot. Um, and I just I steamrolled into it. And, you know, me and my husband that year, we ended up buying a house later that year. Um, and then we found out that, you know, at the end of 2019 that we were pregnant. Um, and then in 2020, we found out we were having a miscarriage. So that kind of like shook me up. But I still kind of steamrolled into working and then the pandemic happened. Um, and then everything sort of started like coming in around me because I couldn't ignore stuff anymore. I couldn't like go hard. Like I was working pretty hard, like working from home, but all the emotions of everything that happened from 2019 just started shaking my world up again. Um, and then June came around and, you know, I, we always talk about the pandemic is like pre-George Floyd and post-George Floyd. So like June of 2021, that was like right when everything started to pick up. Um, and at my job, I had put in for a promotion. Um, and I was like, I know I'm getting this. Like, um, I don't know. Can, can I cuss on the pod? I don't know. If Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I encourage everybody to be their self. So right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But I was like, I know I'm getting this shit. Like, I've been going hard at work. If nothing else, I knew I did. I wasn't good to myself personally, but I definitely was working and I was doing good work. Um, somebody had went like a project director had went out. I stepped like I was I was killing that shit. Um, and I didn't get promoted. And they promoted this white this white guy over me. Um, and that was like, OK, so George Floyd happened. And then the next day. I literally found out I didn't get the promotion and promoted this white guy. So then I, I like wrote an open letter to my job, um, basically calling them out for, you know, their practices being racist and all this other stuff. Um, and then they vowed to promote me later in the fall and all the type of stuff. I went throughout the summer. I didn't have a lot of peace about it. And then ultimately I just um, needed a way to like outlet stuff. So I decided to start writing. Um, and I just started like, it started as a short story of me just saying, like, talking about like being black in white workspaces. Um, that's the, the first chapter was just supposed to be like a short story. And I was just going, that was like my way to outlet. But then I just kept writing. Um, and I wrote, I wrote 30,000 words in like two months. Like I, it was literally the only way that I was staying sane during that job. And then I started to get a lot of conviction of still being there because I felt like, you know, at the, the bulk of it, I experienced racism and I was still there. And I remember talking to one of my mentors at the time and she was like, you know, are you going to stay somewhere that you feel like is disrespecting you and they and you accepting that, you know, that sets a standard. And then I was like, but I can't really quit a job during a pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I need money. Um, but. I just couldn't really take it anymore. So I, I did quit. I quit in September of 2021 was my last day, you know, month at that job. I didn't have anything else lined up at the time. Um, and I just, you know, kept writing, ended up getting another job with the city of Philadelphia, working for the mayor's office. Um, and then, you know, me and my husband got pregnant again, and this time it was successful. My son Kyler is nine months now. Um, 
And then while I was on maternity, so I, during that whole time I started a new job and I was pregnant, I had like half the book written and I was just like, let me just go into this job, focus on this pregnancy and, you know, we'll be good. And then I went on maternity leave, um, the end of last year and then I finished it. So it was like a, a really, a, a journey. And it didn't even make sense that I finished on maternity leave because I was exhausted, but I was up at three or four o'clock in the morning writing and, and just was able to finish it. So that was like a three year kind of journey of like stuff, like hitting kind of rock bottom and then coming back up and going, it was like a, a lot of roller coasters that like led to it. But what turned out to be like one of literally one of the worst things that happened to me, maybe professionally and then some stuff personally turned into me writing this book because I just needed a way to outlet, you know, my emotions about things. Um, and then, you know, it became canceled. So, uh, like looking back on it, like I'm grateful, but in the moment I was scared as hell. Um, and I was bitter. I was angry, you know, um, didn't know what to do. I didn't know how stuff was going to work out, but it came together. I think hearing about how everything kind of like was snowballing and piling on top of each other, I think that that goes to show that definitely the power of perseverance and then that this was something that was meant to be as far as you completing it and, and getting it out there. So shout out to you for for, may, for pushing through and actually, you know, not letting go of that dream and that that project and seeing it to fruition and, and getting it to this point. And speaking of that, I want to know if you could take us through what was the self-publishing process for you mm -hmm. to go from, you know, it's one thing to write the story, but now mm -hmm. you got to actually get physical copies, digital copies, and people need to be able to access it. So what was that whole thing like for you? Yeah, it was. Um, so I finished it at the end of 2021. And then I was just so excited that I finished it. Um, I just took some time to celebrate that. Um, and then I was like, okay, now you gotta, you gotta put it out there, which was hard for me because, you know, it's like you put a lot into something and then you put it out for public consumption and, you know, you get slapped in the face with that, um, as a creative. So, um, I just, I just ultimately had to, you know, come to my mind about it and say like, you know, it doesn't matter to me what people say about it. I did this for me. Um, and I don't, I know, I, I know I can sell a copy to my husband and my grandma. Them the two people I know is going to buy my book, but that's about, you know, if I don't sell it to nobody else, it don't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the self-publishing, like at first I was like, you know, I, I think I want to go to self-publishing route. But first I did try to get a book agent and I shopped it around to a few different agents um, and I was rejected by everybody. Um, like some people didn't even email me back. <laughs> it's like, no, we ain't. I was like, kept checking my email, refreshing it and nothing came up. Um, and some people did like a nice just response of like, mm, you know, oh, this sounds good. But no, just not for us. So. I didn't get discouraged about it. I was just kind of like, you know, that's it's elitist, like this book agent stuff and publishing through these big publishers is elitist. And, and for me to be somebody who's coming, not coming from this profession, like I don't have an MFA in creative writing. I don't, um, I'm not in these circles of like talking about my stories. I don't, I haven't won any like awards, you know, or my stuff been published in, in different things. So I think they also, agents want to represent people who want a career in writing and not just a hobby in writing. And so I understood like, you know, this could look like a hobby for me in writing for, to people. And that's another reason why I'm rejected or whatever. Um, but then, so I'm in a, I'm in a book club. It's, um, it's called Soul Love Soul Book Club. Um, it's all, you know, women of color. I've been in that book club since 2020. 
Um, and the person who organizes the book club, she wrote a book of poems and she did assisted self-publishing through this company that I did it through mahogany pen publishing. Um, and I remember like she came out with her stuff in 2021 and I remember thinking like, Oh, that's dope. Like she came out with a book. Um, and so I, they were always in the back of my head, like, can we do maybe assisted self-publishing with them? Um, and then the first conversation I had was with, uh, Brandy, who is, you know, the founder of it. Um, she's a dope black woman and educator. Um, and she just, her mission for the, for the place of like wanting to lift up black voices and black authors, um, just resonated with me ever since I met her. I, I felt like I could trust her with my work and my book. Um, and what, her company does is assisted self-publishing. So they have connections to like editors and illustrators and, you know, just people that they can connect you to. And they help you to actually, you know, do the, get your book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and um, do the ebook. They help you do the formatting and all that stuff. And all that stuff is like, I am not a meticulous person. So I don't want to, I just want to write stories. I don't want to do all that other stuff. Um, so that was really appealing to me to be able to self-publish and have help. And I was connected to a, a dope black illustrator, a dope black editor. Um, and then her as the publisher and that it just all kind of came together for me of wanting to do it, you know, within this pipeline of like black women. Um, so that was my process. I, I, um, found her through somebody that like a connection, but it ended up working out for me. And that's beautiful that you was able to tap into a community and utilize that community to actually make this thing happen, which I think is something that's definitely undervalued in the black community for sure. And uh, especially like I, I had this conversation a while ago with a couple of people when I was back home in Detroit, but about how we there's a lot of dope things going on from like black professionals and businesses, things like that. But it's still kind of clickish, like people kind of normally just go to what they know and the people that they know and work with those people, even though it's a ton of dope black talent and people in the community doing things. But um, so it's, it's not always that easy in order to tap into something like that and like be productive and uh, yeah. have them help you accomplish your goals. So it's great to definitely hear about that. And um, would love to hear more about, you know, some of the, the connections that you made within that community. What does it look like to be in the author community with women of color and, you know, some of those conversations and things that you learned from that? Yeah. Um, I think the, the first conversation I had with Brandy, she was just talking about, how frustrated the reason why she started her um, publishing company is because she was just frustrated at the lack of opportunity for like black authors um, and how hard it is to get, you know, just into the door um, for getting an agent. And that's why I was like, Oh yeah, I did try to do that. And like I said, I didn't get a response back sometimes. Um, so I think, yeah, like, if I didn't have that connection, she was like, yeah, I know these people and I can connect you to these people. If I didn't have that, like, I think it would be just me again, cold calling people and emailing people. Um, and it was really nice because the first meeting I had with my illustrator was, um, you know, she's a black artist and 
Like I just described to her, I'm like, this is what I want for the cover. And I just felt like she got it. You know, I didn't have to explain too much about the culture of it. Um, I gave her some, you know, background of the book. She hadn't read the book. But when I said I wanted a black woman with 4C hair and, you know, this like she just she got it. You know what I mean? So um, and even going through the editing process, it's just certain references and that type of stuff. Like you don't have to explain, like you don't have to correct that. That's just a part of the culture. Um, but all of these women, you know, as dope as they are, still most of them is not their full time job. Is they're doing this as a part time thing and trying, just like me, trying to get you know and push the needle. Um, so it's it's nice meeting people in these spaces. I haven't done as much with meeting other black like fiction writers. I've met a few black, you know, poets and um, poetry books. It's a little bit as, as crazy as it sounds a little bit harder for me to read poetry books. Um, I'm more of like a novel reader, um, but just people who are really into sharing, they create their creativity and connecting with other black people just really resonated with me. Um, so that's, that's been a really nice, like refreshing thing. And I'm glad like, at first I was like, okay, this, the, um, you know, with the agent stuff not working out, I was like, okay, so what does this mean for me? Um, but I'm glad it worked out this way because it gave me a different level of comfort with navigating my story and stuff and knowing I can trust these people with my story, um, you know, versus going a different route where I have to explain stuff and try to say like, oh, this is my audience and this is why, and not have people try to whitewash it. Exactly. And speaking of your story, you got to tell me where the name, where the pen name Shea Lavender came from, because I know yeah. you, I know a Chanel Haygood, formerly known as <laughs> Chanel Johnson, but I don't yeah. know Shea Lavender. So let me, let me know more about yeah. Shea Lavender. She came out of nowhere. Shea did. Um, yeah, no, she's, um, so the story about that is my, my mom at times, she didn't, I want my family coming to me. She didn't call me Shea all the time, but my mom, there were a few times she called me Shay. And I remember the last time she called me Shay. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be Shay. And then I played with a few different names of like um, Shay Good, Shay something else. There was a bunch of different things. But um, my late paternal grandmother um, she passed away several years ago. Her last, her married last name was Lavender. Um, and so when I was writing down the names, I really like that combination together. I like Shea Lavender together. And the reason why I want to do a pen name anyway is just because I thought it was kind of cool. Like Chanel Haygood to me sounds like somebody who works in the government. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is fine. Cause I did, I did used to work in the government. Um, but like Shea Lavender sounds like a creative, you know what I mean? Like somebody who created something kind of dope. It, it just looked dope to me to be able to do that or say that. And I kind of look at it as like a, a separation of like something else that I do. So this is like the Shea Lavender business, you know what I mean? And I wanted to be able to separate it that way. Um, but that's the story of it. Uh, it honors my late mom and my late grandma. Um, and then it, I just thought it was a creative name too. That's dope. Definitely sound like a, a creative name. And I want to ask we both from the city. I know you got that hustler mentality. You're going to go out there and make it happen. And yeah. you've worked corporate. You've been a part of academia and things like that. But when did you know that you were creative? Like this something you knew early on and, you know, you yeah. just kind of did the normal um, things as far as like work or did you kind of like find that out further down the line in your career? Yeah, I, 
I rejected being a creator for so long because I thought, you know, like, what is that going to get me? Um, where is that really going to lead me? Um, and so I knew like at a young age, because I would, I would, I would leave an experience and be so excited that I would want to write about it. You know what I mean? I would want to write something so that I could outlet like all of my kind of feelings. Um, and not just like, I know people journal, but I like really wanted, I would write stories based on an experience that I had. Um, and experiences speak with, uh, stick with me. So like it, from profession to profession, I can detail to you like scenes from just like I detailed the the scene from, you know, the college fair with the white woman. Like I have so many moments like that in my head that stick with me that I want to I want to put in my writing. And so maybe I think the first time I must have realized it had to be um, when I was in college again, and I found myself like so excited to be in a higher ed program, you know, because that was, I had worked in higher ed and I was like, this is what I, I finally figured out what I want to do professionally, but I still found myself like, okay, go ahead and write about this, like find a way to write about this. Um, and I think that's what I realized, like writing was never going to leave me. Like being a creative was never like, it never like went away. And so I, I always hope that I would find a way to combine everything that I've done like professionally and be able to put it in my writing still um, because I'm super passionate about higher education. I can talk about higher education all day. Um, and so how do I like blend the two? And it, it just kind of all started coming out. Um, but I've, I've been writing stories since I graduated when I was an undergrad, after I graduated undergrad, when I was in grad school, it just, it was always here. I just never really wanted to share it with anybody. So this really, um, the pandemic, I really blame it. Like it gave me the confidence to just be like, why not put this out here? Um, let's see what happens. Absolutely. And that, that's inspiring to hear actually, because I think there's some uh, parallels to kind of this podcast and how it got started for me and kind of going along with the status quo feeling like I was a creative or kind of like longing for wanting to do something more along the creative lines. Um, even had a podcast before it's called a podcast in high school. I hope that you didn't listen to it, but if you did, then, you know, we could talk about it offline, but. Oh, no, but I, I didn't, I'm going to need them tapes though. Oh, well, you know, they, they may or may not still exist, but that's, it's all speculation at this point. Um, but uh, <laughs> like being able to combine like my love for business and uh, business related things and stuff like that into like this type of format, something I like to do and engage with people. So they like hear your story about how you're figuring out how to blend the two now um, from like what you do and what you learn and build skills over from like what was like inherently inside of you. That's really, really dope to hear. And, um, you know, hopefully somebody can hear this uh, podcast and, and be inspired by that as well and know that whatever it is that they got inside of them creatively or just mm -hmm. something that they know that they want to do, that they can actually they can absolutely do that, even, you know, if you've been down one career path or doing one particular thing for the majority of your life, you know, you always have opportunities to be able to to do more. So definitely go out there yeah. and get at it. And I, I will say, too, like you doing this was super inspirational, I think, in ways that I didn't realize. But, you know, hearing you talk, though, like I remember following you. Go, you got your MBA at Miami mm -hmm. and then I know you, I think you got a job at Microsoft yep. and um, I'm like, oh, he's selling what I, it's that Bill Gates money. I was like, oh, you, 
mindset. But um, and then you you still was like you said, Detroit mindset, hustling and doing this podcast and giving it a platform. And I'm like, that's dope. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, finding these spaces and I just think it's super dope that the platform that you've been giving people. And I know that it had to be something that you wanted to do for yourself because it's, you know, um, something that was on your heart. But I think it definitely gave me more confidence to see people around me, like black people just pushing, especially my age, pushing forward and being like, yeah, I got this job, but I'm still passionate about this and I'm going to push this forward. Um, and so thank you for for leading the charge on that, because this definitely has been inspirational, too. That's that's high praise. I definitely appreciate that. And yeah, we got to We got to keep uh, pushing the culture forward is, is what I say. And, you know, by pushing them projects and things that you want to do, you got to got to get that out there. You don't you never know who watching you. So yeah. you always yeah put your put your best foot forward no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. And as, speaking of that, if you had to look into your crystal ball, I know that the and we'll get into the details of the book as far as when we can get it and when it's coming out and all that good stuff. But if you are looking into your crystal ball for the creative for Shay Lavender, what do you see? Uh, in the future man I um I have so many so the thing is like when I gave myself permission to write and put myself my stuff out there I have I have book ideas for like four other books um and I I have a timeline already to start my second book at the end of this year um but I'm a I'm gonna stay in the moment People tell me like I, I don't stand a moment enough, um, but I'm going to stand a moment and let this book come out and I'm going to promote it and all that good stuff. Um, but I would hope to continue to you know publish books and I would hope that I could share my stories on a bigger platform. Like, you know, if they could get deals to become films or or television shows, that would be something I'm open to or. Um, but I think my goal is just to be, you know, put my, you know, put my ticket in to try to be a part of this generation of black storytellers. Um, I don't think I'll ever, I won't say, look, I'm not gonna say ever, but I I don't right now have an interest in like writing screenplays or, or writing, you know, um, all that type of stuff. I just have a, interest in continuing to put these books out here and and potentially hoping that they get to people who who want to take them and and put them on a bigger platform um but the way that i want to continue to tell stories is through novels so i'm going i'm going to keep doing that um and hope that it you know they get taken to the next level dope dope and i definitely can see somebody like Issa being able to take the adaptation of cancel and turning that into a series or a movie or something like that yeah, let's yeah. Let's, let's put it out there. Let's put it yes. out there. So give us the details about the book. When can we pick it up? When is it expected to be out? Give us yeah. uh, all the info so we can support. Um, so right now um, we can pre-order the book until June 25th. Um, and the pre-order special is that all the pre-orders will be signed and include a special gift. Those will be sent out um, in July. And then the book will be available for you know, world consumption. You can buy it on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble on July 9th. Um, and then we're having a book launch party in Philadelphia on July 16th. So those are like the three big things that are happening and coming down. Um, and then right now you can't like pre-order 
an ebook or something like on Kindle, but pre, uh, but like ebooks and stuff, they'll be available on July 9th when the, when the book is available. So those are the platforms support it, please. Um, and if not, I mean, that's okay too. Like I said, I, I'm not, I have no, they, we putting the pressure on them. No, it is not okay. We putting the pressure on them. We applying pressure. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you. Put the pressure on them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we, we definitely got the info and we're going to be able to uh, tap in uh, from there, but let us know how the people can get into contact with you. If they want to follow your journey, if they want to see some more of your other stuff that you put out, what's your handles, um, all that good stuff, all your contact info. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so I, my site is shaylavender.com. Um, and then my Instagram is underscore at, at underscore shaylavender. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Chanel, definitely appreciate your time and for you coming on to the podcast. Great discussion as always. It's beautiful to see the, the wonderful things that you got going on and how you was able to take your skills and experiences and pour it into this project. And very excited to see what the end product looks like. So I would definitely be pre-ordering and uh, I, I want my signed copy. So I will yeah. be on the lookout for it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Zell, for the opportunity. Um, and I hope everybody enjoys it. Of course, of course. And thank you once again. And everybody listening, you know how we do. I'm going to tap in with y'all later. Peace.